Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. We are continuing in these next few episodes on the butter and the honey. You can get more information on that in Chapter 3 of Watchman Nee's book, The Messenger of the Cross. So take a listen to these episodes, and I pray that you will make the decisions to stay with Jesus throughout all of the opportunities to come in the days, months, and years ahead, that you will be one who finishes strong because you ate the same food that Jesus did. God won't put it in your mouth, my friends, but he does put it within your reach. And out of your freedom, I pray, you'll choose him again and again, and he will mature you, and you will finish your race. To the glory of God, love you all. All right, here we are, and we continue with the butter and the honey. Let's see if we can focus in on the honey today on this amazing, amazing, sweetest of all loves. You know, that always sounds like such an understatement, doesn't it? When you attempt to describe the love, not just the love of God, but the love that is God. This is why these days in culture, uh, when man decides, no, he'll decide what love is. Right? I believe this is fine. I believe love is whatever. I'm like, listen carefully. Okay? <laughs> love is a person. And he is the one who defines himself. I, I caught a glimpse early this morning of someone's post. And, you know, they took some secular painting picture of Jesus and posted it. And he was laughing. And they said, you know, remember Jesus was this and that. And. You know, Jesus loved to have fun, and he was happy, and let's all try to be more like Jesus and be happy, you know, and all that. I'm like, okay, okay. Um, But to think that we can take God and define him, and of course we all have experienced certain aspects of his being, No one has experienced all of God, maybe, right? I mean, we we learn of him. We know him intimately. He he reveals himself uh, to us in so many, (laughs) many depths. You know, just when you think, I've just about, you know, I know God, (laughs) You know, then God like shows you something of himself and you're like, excuse me, I'm just going to bow down and I'm just going to be like, Father, thank you for what you have shown me of you, but I'm clear. I have not seen all of you. And this desire of man to capture God and somehow define him for himself You know, this is what happens when you really think you're the God and then you set up all your other gods. It's like if I take a piece of wood and I carve it out and I make a statue and I set it up on my counter 
and I decide that I'm going to come and pray to it, you know, three times a day. Let's get real, friends. The, the statue isn't the, the God. I am. Because I chose it. I whittled it. I formed it. I fashioned it. I set my times as to when I think I should come in the way I should do it. That makes you the God. The cross of Jesus is what forever delivers us from being the center, us being God. Because he slaughters the nature that we inherited from Adam that is determined to be God and truly believes it makes a better God than God. And when the cross in all of its function, the death side and the life side, the work of the cross and the way of the cross is fully functioning or more and more functioning within us, then finally God, as he defines himself in the scripture and by the revealing by Holy Spirit, he becomes center and we begin to focus upon him. We orbit him gladly. See, flesh always has this kind of low-boil resentment, you know. That's why it starts to whisper things like, well, God's just an egomaniac. That's why you got to worship him. It's just, it's amazing what self and flesh really thinks about God. So we don't define love. God does. And first and foremost, it's not... God has determined that it's man and woman. Yes, he has. But first and foremost, God says, I am love. Okay, and we've got to recognize this. That's why I've encouraged you previously, I think, in our Truth Tellers uh, parts, uh, series parts, is, you know, don't go out fighting just topical sin. Don't, don't pick your pet peeve and then go and you know rail against that. If we could recognize by the work of the cross and the way of the cross that the whole system of sin, the whole system of living independently from God, right, goes down at the cross. You don't have to piecemeal it. You don't have to fight fights that have no spoils. Hmm? If we would be a part of preaching the gospel and living out our love life with God and, and seeing people returned to him, he will put them in right order. He will address all of the separate ways that they have been living independent from him. He will deal with that. But you do have to preach the gospel not the one that makes everybody comfortable in the independent ways that they've chosen to live. Okay, so let's, let's celebrate the bold, confident love of God and that God himself is love, and he defines it. And so this is a part of what begins to cultivate our appetites over time. See, the food you start to eat like, you know, I love to eat meat. I love to eat a lot of things. And, and, yet, and, and I love it. You know, you love comfort foods. You love these things. 
But once I really bring my appetites into order and I drink more water and I, I eat, let's just say, you know, lean meats and vegetables and proteins, and it begins to awaken my appetite for that. Okay, so oftentimes what you begin feeding yourself in the beginning, you may be like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm sure missing that bread or I'm sure missing those potatoes. But it won't be long because you're cultivating a new appetite that if we can just stay with it, then honestly, we begin to be like, wow, I, I love <laughs> lean meats, right? I, I, I find myself the more water I drink, the more water I want, right? So appetites are cultivated over time. And there begins to be a deep satisfaction within. In the beginning, uh, sometimes when you're shifting appetites, can be quite agitating. But Jesus consistently ate the butter and the honey. He consistently, right, would say the meat of my life is to do the will of my Father. But my friends, when we just get swept clean, but we are not filled, filled with this life and filled with that food and continue to eat, restlessness can happen. When you sweep the house clean, but you don't uh, keep it filled, restlessness begins to set in. And that's why people start to go on the hunt for other things. Because yes, I'm born again. Yes, I've been swept clean, if you will. But then there's no filling. I'm not eating that new food. I'm not taking hold of him. I'm, I'm not walking in that way because believers are not born again to just stay stagnant. You become a saint when you're born again so that then you can choose to be a disciple who follows after Jesus so that then you can mature as a son. It's a progressive maturing. When that does not happen, it's inevitable that our default appetites will begin to go right back into things that we used to use to satisfy us. So it's important that we let God love us. You cannot earn this love, right? You don't earn honey, <laughs> right? The honey and the butter, right? It's your inheritance the birthright of love. Maybe I will look at, I have a, a, a series that I did years ago called The Birthright of Love. You are loved because it's, it, it's a right of birth, being born again, your new birth, right? It's not a right you demand, okay? It means that this is who you are, this is whose family you're in, these are your rights, this is, you've received them, they're yours properly because of inheritance. Now, God always loved us, even when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. My friends, that's when we were God's enemy. He came for us. How much more now that we are his, that we begin to experience that love if we begin to receive it. You must receive the love of God. You have to allow him to love you. And that, my friends... <laughs> is a very deep and profound, uh, perpetual experience. And so it's love that began it all, John three sixteen, And it's love that fuels it all, 
It fuels everything that we were chosen out before the foundations of the world in love. That because the love of God, this is one of my favorites if you read it, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, is that it says, but God, so rich was he in his mercy that he actually had to do something to satisfy his great and wonderful and intense love that he had for us. See, God does not love in word only, but in deed there are <laughs> cross-infused actions. That just all sounds like such an understatement. But read it in the scripture. You were chosen out in love. God's love was so intense, so great, so wonderful. It reads in the Amplified Classic in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 that he had to do something to satisfy it. Right? It's so amazing. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live, but this life I, the new man, that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God, the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and came for me. Love fuels it all because God himself is love. Love is what grows us up when we're enfolded in it, Ephesians 4.15 in the Amplified Classic. Enfolded in love, let us grow up. No matter what atmosphere or environment you grew up in as a child, whether it was magnificent or wretched, my friends, there is the atmosphere of His presence within you as you are born again to Him and in Him and for Him, that you are now in the total atmosphere. You're enfolded, wrapped flooded with, poured into the love of God. Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit pours the love of God into you, spirit to spirit. And it's love, His love, that activates faith. Galatians 5, 6. It activates, it energizes. His love for you will activate your faith in Him. It's not your faith to get a you know, better parking spot. Our faith, our trust, our dependency is in Him. So you see, you must know, like Jesus, you must know the real, true love of God. That's how you'll be able to discern all the counterfeits when they come. And the counterfeits are flooding flooding people right now. Counterfeit love, toxic love, psycho love, perverted love. Right? It's, it's flooding. It's making an open display of itself. And it's where man is deciding, this is how I'll be loved. This is who I will love. This is how I want to be loved. I should be able to love anyone I want, anywhere I want. And what you're finding, and I've shared this with you before, what you're finding is, is that it looks like it just wants an inch, but always remember, it's going to take a mile. Human love is more about domination and control than it is anything else. It's about consuming others for my pleasure. 
I mean, I know that we've idolized human love to the point that that may even sound offensive to some of you, but human love is nothing like the God kind of love, the love that is God. And we know that it is um, our probably greatest need that we're born with, that was put within us, is the need for love. And that need is for a person known as love. God is love. And the first commandment must be brought back to first place. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, I often remind people that when you're being called back to your first love, right, you're being called to the honey. <laughs> you're not trying to get back to your first days of your first love. We're not trying to go back and be babies. No, when we come back to our first love, we come back to him so that he can take us further and more forward in uh, his love. This is a maturing love. It will not leave you where it found you. It will not leave you as a baby cuddled up in your crib with all your bumper pads. It will not leave you with just nice, warm, infatuated feelings. This is a maturing love that matures you as the person that you are. And it causes you, when you receive his love, now he makes you a lover of him. We don't do that for ourselves. I don't make myself a big, passionate lover of God. I receive the honey. I receive Him. I, I am with Him. He is pouring into me, and He causes me. Now, as I become one who is receiving His love for myself, it births within me and ignites within me. Now, now I have love to love God with, to love myself with, and to love others with. This is how it reads in 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified Classic. Love is true affection for God and man that comes first from me knowing the love that he has for me and the love he's put within me. You can read it right there in the scripture. He has made me a lover of him. And by that same love that has no self in it, no ego in it, by that same love. And, and now I learn how to love myself. I learn from him how to guard my heart. I don't go around giving it to other people in some soulish, um, enmeshed way. No, he loves me. I am able to love him with that same love I love myself and with that same breed of love, if I could say it that way, I then learn to love others. It's not born of the soul. It's not psycho. It's not the psyche love. Okay, it's, it isn't that. It's of the spirit. It's of God himself. And trust me, it is going to be clean. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be confident. It cannot be guilted. It cannot be threatened. It cannot be shamed. It's the same love that Jesus walked in. We don't produce that, my friends. We receive that from them. The producer's way. <laughs> he produces everything. He is everything. 
And when we decide to be world-class receivers of that love, you're going to love yourself. There's not going to be ego in it. You're not going to be all focused on yourself. You'll finally be free from uh, self and able to love others as he has loved you. But see, when man keeps trying to define that, okay, we, we come up with all these definitions. I'm like, I don't, you can't see some of that in Jesus as he loved people. You don't ever see Jesus trying to love people in a way that just made them happy and pleased them. And Jesus was identified with the Father, right? He identified with the Father, being loved by his Father, loving himself properly, loving others properly. He was identified with the Father. He didn't need anything from people. He enjoyed people. He was with them. He could speak truth to them. He, he could endure their rejections. He could endure their misunderstandings. I'm telling you, this love is so very powerful. <laughs> Such an understatement again. So when we come into that revelation truth that we are wanted by God, loved by God, desired by Him, pursued by Him, we become wholehearted lovers of Him. No longer do we have a divided heart with our allegiance a little bit to people and a little bit to God, but mainly to ourselves. And what will happen, my friends, is sin will no longer fascinate you. Right? You will no longer be under the magic of sin convincing you that it will satisfy you because you will know the love of the Father. You will know this honey. You will know the person of God himself. He is love. Sin is, is an unholy force that seduces us away and always tells us that we can find life outside of life himself, that we can find what we need outside of God. You ought to be able to find it yourself. I mean, God's just keeping something from you. You know, I mean, my friends, his lie hasn't changed that much since the garden. Sin will no longer fascinate you or be able to seduce you. Now, I'm not saying you can't sin, but you're just pretty much going to have to flat just accept the fact that you just flat out choose it. You want, you choose to go and meet your needs independent from him, but you don't have to. And the more you allow him to love you, right, which is very bold and very progressive, it begins to grow and nurture and cultivate you as you mature in his love, trust me, the things that once enamored you and, you know, all the shiny objects that all someone had to do was shake them in front of you and you'd go chasing after them. I'm just going to tell you, as a maturing son, there's going to come a moment where you're going to be like, really? That's all you got? <laughs> right? I have the Father, right? It's not about, I'm just supposed to say no to these things. I know I'm supposed to say no to sin. What are you saying yes to? Who are you saying yes to? Hmm? Who are you eating of, drinking of? See, this is not about what we're saying no to. This is about who we are saying yes to. Who are we saying amen to? Because I've been reminded over these last few days here in Inger, Germany, that it's God that has said yes to us in Christ. And it's we who then respond and say, Amen. All the promises are already yes to us in Christ. 
Now we turn to God and say, Amen, so be it. Hmm? So here's how we'll close today. When our identity, everything about us, rests in the fact that we are loved, we are chosen, we have been pursued by Him, we will rest in the tangible truths that are made real by Holy Spirit. We will cease to run after our own performance to gain something from other people. And then when we're disappointed in their response, and we then live in bitterness and resentment, and on and on the cycle of toxic love goes. You see, when we really allow Holy Spirit to pour the love of the Father into us the same way that Jesus did, we're going to stop so much of what is wearing us out. When we live as the true lovers of God that we are, the enemy will soon lose his ground. You will sin less, quit less, and divide less in relationships as you enjoy God as He enjoys you. You will obey more. You'll serve Him. Really, it's about living in oneness with Him with greater perseverance, and you'll endure hardships with greater patience and joy than ever before. Because that's what growing, maturing, well-loved sons do. Because hmm? that's how Jesus lived. And we're called to live as Christ. Right? But we need to bring that down to what did God really mean by that? What does that really look like? Hebrews 12 says, Look at Jesus who never lost sight of why he was running his race and study it. Go down it item by item and study it. If you're waning, if you're flagging in your faith, I think this all reads like this in the Message Bible. In Hebrews 12, we must allow him to love us. So my friends, take hold of the butter and honey today. Deeper and deeper. Let Him love you. And He, my friends, He is God. And He defines love, not us. So, receive the love of your Father today through the finished work of Jesus on the cross by the power and person of Holy Spirit. How magnificent they are. And we will live as their true sons in this hour of history if we live like Jesus. So here we go, my friends. I truly love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.